Hey, this is Mike. So last week, Ethan and I were joined by our good friend Puppers to discuss the classic 1979 film Heavy Metal, but we talked so much that we are breaking it up into two episodes. So this week, please join us for the conclusion of our discussion about Heavy Metal. Some of your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your Wikipedia says that there's a missing segment here, but is also but is actually included on some other releases in the in an animatic form. Yeah, if if you get the um, uh, like the the deluxe DVD, I've got it. It, it. Basically, it was a sequence that was designed to go between Captain Stern and the B-17s because uh, the way that thing ends, you see like Stern's disembodied hand in space like burning up and it's holding the the sphere no fist and then, hand get it yeah exactly <laughs> and then uh and then it goes right to the b-17s well this uh neverland uh neverwhere land sequence was uh was going to be done by um cornelius cole and they had this whole oh, sequence really? yeah and they and they basically there's a animatic that you can see on the the deluxe dvd release um, it doesn't have any um, finished music in it, but it's it looks kind of trippy. I mean, it's kind of neat. I mean, you kind of have to use your imagination as to what it would look like, but it was supposed to basically bridge those two stories, and it was supposed to show the Lochnar moving through different time periods. Like, you know, when you look at the animatics, it's kind of showing you almost like it's, you know, corrupting different parts of uh, history leading up to, you know, either going forward or back in time, whatever it's doing. But it's like, it didn't just, it didn't just happen from uh, Stern to the B-17s. It's there's other things that did in between. And they, I think they wanted to kind of do like a animation sequence that just was like a quick flash story of all these little bits and segments. Uh, but it never made it into the film and they never, they never actually finished animating it. Hmm. Um, but you can I, see it on that DVD version. Uh, the deluxe okay. DVD version's got it. But does it oh. use the uh, Pink Floyd music? No, no. That was uh, someone said, basically said if you sync it up with "Time" by Pink Floyd, it kind of looks like it would it would go together. Oh, okay. uh, but they but, don't. But it doesn't actually. So it's no. It's, no. Is that a uh, urban legend like uh, like the Wizard of Oz? Uh yeah, I guess kinda. But I think. I think the person that was working on it actually said that, uh, you know, yes, sync it up with that because you're going to see a lot of beats and they may have used that as sort of like, a mm. almost a metronome when they were storyboard storyboarding it and doing the animatic. I don't know. Yeah. Animation but. is, you know, it's very, uh, it's when you're doing sound animation, it's very important to have some kind of beat to work with. That's, that's why 
sometimes animation is referred to uh, disapprovingly as this is Mickey Mouse, which means that everything happens to the beat of something that's happening. Uh. So when you, you gotta have some things happening on the offbeat or everything looks like it's ticking back and forth like a clock. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, 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 you know, based on what you just said, then I, I bet that they use that as a sort of template to yeah. get their beats. But in the, 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 the bit that they show on the DVD has no sound. So, um, okay. yeah, I've, I've never seen, I've never seen that or even oh, I'll, next time, bit, next so. time we get together, I'll show it to you. It's pretty oh. cool. Okay. Nice. Nice. Um, I'll, I'll, I will learn something new. Um, the, uh, so I, I've only seen it going directly from the, the flaming hand to the, uh, the B 52s or not the B 52. Sorry. The, um, it's a rock. B 17. B 17. Thank you. Yes. Um, B-17 um, so this is a sequence where a, um, uh, there's like a, like some planes having a dog fight. Uh, presumably this is, um, kind of a world war two, I think probably Pacific oh. theater I'm guessing happening here. And, um, uh, we get, uh, there's, there's a lot of shooting and then, um, the, uh, Lochnar flies by and, uh, basically all the, uh, the dead guys on the plane get animated and, um, uh, <laughs> get, get yeah. Um, they, they come to get the survivors. Um, so uh B17 <laughs> B17 is uh this is probably my favorite segment in the entire film. It's it's wow. very creepy. It's very creepy. Yes, yeah. I mean I I really like this sequence. It's very it's very creepy. Um almost every review I read of this movie like hates it. Um Really? Huh. Yeah, the old impression on me honestly, so I'm surprised. Oh, really? Okay, interesting cuz like everyone says like it's way too slow it just drags and um i think it i mean i think that's really what makes it work so well because that whole sequence where the one pilot goes back to check on everyone and is just very slowly walking through the plane finding like corpses i it's mean very it's suspenseful you know very yeah, yeah. um you know because you know something bad's gonna happen because the lochnar was there um <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, I thought it was a very, yeah, very good way of building tension. Um, but I guess a lot of people watch this movie were like, Oh, why is it taking so long? Just, just want the skeletons now. Um, <laughs> I will say that the, the, the end where he, uh, he's like, Oh, fuck that. And jumps out of the plane and he crash lands on the Island. I mean, where he's just surrounded by all of them. I thought that was really, that was really, yeah. He's surrounded by crashed airplanes with, uh, with dead with dead airmen all around him. And yeah. I don't know about you, but my first thought was the far side. Oh, it's the secret elephant aerial ground. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh I actually uh, I also like that ending because you know you get that little fake out where it's like, oh Hugh, he's fine. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, oh no, I mean he's not fine at all, is it? So <laughs> oh, is it Steve? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's a. Uh, I, I so I I really like this one. Um, I think the uh we get uh was it heavy metal? Uh, that's a titular song. Um, heavy metal or taking a ride by Don Felder. Um, which is not the music I would expect. You know, in a World War Two uh you know aerial dogfight. But um, what would you expect? Know. 
Um, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company B, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it works. I, I really think that it kind of, you know, set. I don't know if it sets the mood, but it, it, it you know, it kind of is like, yeah, yeah, here we go. Uh, the, only, the only voice that most people would likely be familiar with from this one is Zalianowski, aka who is the lead singer of The Love and Spoonful. Oh. Or actually lead not... guitarist, not the lead singer, but Oh. Interesting. How did how did he get involved yeah, in this? That's, well, I guess that's, he's... that's that's a odd choice, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a music based movie, so I guess they were like, hey, yeah, this guy is somebody. Yeah, it's a heavy yeah. metal movie. Let's get that guy who used to be with the mamas and the papas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do get Mock again. He plays the co-pilot in this one. And of oh, course... for the yeah. voice? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And of course, we have Percy Rodriguez, as always, as Lochnar. Um, but... Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really I, enjoy I, I like... this one, but... I, I like it as well too, especially because it was, um, uh, you know, with the sort of anthology format, it was it was certainly the darkest piece I think in the you know the most horror like piece in the in the whole you know anthology, and uh, it was um, it was well placed where it was between the two sketches that it, it, you know, that are, are going to follow it. I thought, because it was just of such a dark tone compared to the one before it. And certainly <laughs> compared to the, the one after it, which was, you know, probably one of the more hilarious ones. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I like it, it. I thought it was, I thought the placement was good and I just thought it was, you know, very impactful story and a very dark story. And, um, you know, I I appreciated the fact they were doing something, you know, very different. Um, I'm not sure why people are all like, Ooh, you know, too long. I just thought it was suspenseful. So uh, yeah, I, I feel like it wasn't earned. I I feel like it didn't really. Uh, I feel like the horror elements kind of didn't really have any kind of relation to what was actually going on. I mean, apart, you know, this is if this is is this based on a comic at all? Do you know? No, this is this is an original piece. Uh, okay, so, actually, for the movie. so this time it actually was caused by the Lochnar. Okay, yep. because there's oh, yeah, no other So okay, yeah. I, but you know, it just kind of feels like the Lochnar is just making up new powers for itself <laughs> along the way. <laughs> I have the Lochnar, and I can raise zombies if I want. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, the the horror. I mean, there isn't horror because, for one thing, we know why it's happening because they're being followed by the source of all evil. But why is it doing this? Is there is it to the Lochnar's benefit to raise zombies, or is it just like watch me fuck with these pilots? <laughs> well, he is the source of all evil. I mean, so he and just he likes. This, and how would this tie in with the with the cut segment where the uh, Lochnar causes the evolution of life on Earth? It's just like. I want to fuck with some pilots. I better evolve pilots on this world. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> obviously, yeah. It's like, oh, if he's like, I'm going to make the evolution of life on Earth because life on Earth kind of sucks. Yeah, so, Lochner really is Elon Musk, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so it's interesting. So this was, uh, so Ethan, this one didn't, um, it sounds like this one just didn't gel for you. No, I mean, I wanted to like it. 
I, I'll give you that, but uh, it's just yeah. one Nah. Yeah. Um, it is definitely like very, very different in tone than most of the rest of the film. Um, um, but I, yeah, like I said, this is this is my favorite bit. But uh, the, the one that came after this, uh, so beautiful and so dangerous. Uh, this one's also, I think, one of my favorites. Really? Uh, wow. Th- yeah, I like this one a lot just because of. Well, I mean, we already I already mentioned it before. I am a huge fan of this artist. Angus McKee has done album covers. He's done about maybe 200 book covers, like fantasy novels, like, you know, not anything, not any kind of important fantasy novels, just like, you know, stupid ones. But I, you know, oh, did he do he, Zanth at all? No, no, not. He's not like Piers Anthony. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't get Piers Anthony covers, but, uh, but his art style is very like, all I can say is that sequence in the movie, he, he was, he worked on the film directly, his comic art and his story art, look exactly like that mm. uh it's very mm. bright it's very punchy um he really specializes in like you know space and you know spaceships and stuff like that mm. so i was a big fan of his art style so when that sequence was in the movie and all this is you know this is another uh recurring strip in uh the magazine starting with a uh, first appearance in October 78 and it ran for a number of years mm-hmm. and that that it, like goofy ship is in it all the you know no Lochnar but other a bit of a darker story not as uh not as funny as this one was but there's you know love sex and robots in it uh sort of just like the sequence in the movie uh but I really like this sequence um quite a bit and a lot of good voice talent in it and a lot of you know it's, yeah, it was a little bit stupid. I will give you that. Yeah. But it, was, it was entertaining. <laughs> yeah, once again, it Roger Bumpass and John Candy and Eugene Levy and Harold Ramis. You got all the Ghostbusters. Actually, yeah, no, got, one of them. Gotta love it. Got some of them. <laughs> the important one. Yeah. Um, we've also got um, Alice uh, Platon, who um, uh, is, is she is the, the secretary. And uh, we, you may know her best as bb bluff from doug oh wow also, yeah also wow, baby lickety mom, split <laughs> well the, the, the lady from doug said uh i'm afraid i'm gonna come home you find fucking the toaster Damn. yes <laughs> wow all right oh it's so, the alligator from really rosy wow <laughs> someone should yeah re just uh dub in her voice into uh into uh doug episodes i love doing the, that yeah <laughs> um Actually, so Puffers, why don't you uh, you do you want to do the summary of this this section for oh, us? She was in the Felix the Cat movie too. Wow! Sure, sure. So uh, the Lochnar, I think, and this is is appearing as a as an ornamental piece on the the secretary's necklace, and mm-hmm. um, she's there like typing away, and the uh, commentary uh, mainly is coming from. Uh, was it the reporter or was it the doctor? I guess it was the, the doctor was, uh, talking about, uh, you know, people not to panic and they're, uh, I forget now the beginning, Mike, I know yeah, he's I talking he's, about something about aliens and yeah. like, yeah, he's like saying people are sighting aliens or something. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, and not to worry. Don't, don't worry that nothing, you know, there's absolutely no, uh, intelligent life out there. We're, you know, we're the, you know, we're the, 
we're the only people on uh, this entire planet. And uh, at that point, you kind of see a pullback, uh, and the, the giant uh, smiley face ship comes over. That's my uh, favorite part of this one is the smiley face ship. <laughs> very ship memorable shot, yeah. Uh, and they're basically looking for the Loch Nair, but they never say why. They just, they've kind of zeroed in on it and they know that it's on, you know, it's in that room. But I, I never got the impression that they ever said why or what they were looking forward for. Was it a, you know, they're finding it for someone or a power source or they, they just, they kind of skip over that yeah, because they once it. they, once they get the people, they, you know, they suck the two people up. The, uh, uh, the poor doctor gets, uh, crushed into a pile of, uh, uh, uh goo and, you know, the woman basically uh, ends up with the two robots, and they're all hanging out. And then you see the uh, the two aliens driving the ship, uh, <laughs> piling it around, and they decide to get out some uh, plutonium nibor, totally not cocaine, and uh, <laughs> spreading it about the ship, and uh, you know, get get all um, you know fucked up on that. It sure is weird to see a time when cocaine was portrayed as something that schlubs do and not it's, you know, something it's, you do when, you know, something you snort off your mistress's flat ass as you draw, as you uh, speed down uh, Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah, this was off the dirty that. floor of the, uh, the cockpit. So. Yeah. <laughs> but this, this uh, is really a different uh, world. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's and then there's a lot of like... A lot more alien than a lot of the alien worlds. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and then there's this like, long sequence where they're just flying the ship sort of crazy. And you see like some really good animation of like the, the sky and the stars. And they do a lot of, uh, you know, trippy stuff and some debris floats by, including part of the enterprise, which is pretty hilarious. <laughs> um, and then once the ship docks, there's uh, kind of, they kind of flash back to uh, the secretary and the robot, um, you know, getting it on and talking about getting married. And that's kind of how that sequence ends. It's another like kind of a Lochnar failure uh, tale. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure exactly why he's telling this tale because. <laughs> yeah. The, why is he telling it to a little girl? It, what kind of pervert are you, exactly. <laughs> And the Lochnar does nothing other than like it, it sort of drives the doctor at the beginning like crazy. He like sees it and he ends up attacking the girl, jumping on the conference you know, table yeah. uh, at her. But other than that, it seems to have no effect on anybody else throughout the rest of the sequence. Have you seen Monkey Bone? I, I have did. Seen Monkey Bone. I yeah. did. Yes. Yeah, you remember the scene at the beginning with the the animated sequence with getting sexually aroused by the teacher's arm flap? <laughs> That's what this reminded me of. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So this is another Lochnar failure, but uh, despite that, I enjoyed um, I enjoyed it and. Uh, you have some great music, uh, Queen Bee by Grand Funk Railroad, uh, the second cheap, cheap, uh, cheap trick song in the film, um, Nazareth, Don Felder, Sammy Hagar. So this one has a lot, quite a few musical sequences going throughout it. Yeah, I feel and, like they kind of um, dumped a bunch of stuff they didn't know what else to do with in it. It was like, let's yeah, have you only get fragments. just blowing through our playlist. Yeah, you only get fragments of uh, all the songs, obviously. So, Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I agree. I really, I really like this sequence. Um, it's just, it's, it's fun. It, it really kind of captures for me the spirit of, uh, of, um, 
uh, a very certain spirit of like uh, 70s kind of uh, head trip sci-fi where it's like, yeah, well, half of it is just like watching like uh, cool, cool visuals while they're floating around in a spaceship. But, um, you know, it's it's um, uh, but also like last time I watched it, I was I was I was high. So that's probably that may color my my feelings about this because mm. it's like, yeah, this is again, it's something designed to be watched in that in that state of mind. Um, but yeah, I, it, it, it yeah. certainly it certainly uh, doesn't hurt. But even even aside from that, it's still a pretty, you know, it's a pretty silly, dumb, but very entertaining sequence. Uh, I, I did like John Candy's robot with the uh, those gigantic like ears. <laughs> yeah, and that's in Where, the comic. That's in the oh, magazine. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, he doesn't have John Candy's humor or, you know, but that's. That robot features prominently in the ongoing strip in the uh, yeah. Routine. Well, it's just funny when yeah the secretary shows up and and, and uh, you know the robot's like oh we we should have robot sex and the aliens are like yeah typical robot first first <laughs> Earth chick that shows up and he's gonna make a play for her exactly. So. But well, look good, at what the other robot just did. It went crazy for her. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. So in this world, robots are uncontrollable horn dogs. No wonder <laughs> we don't use them on Earth. <laughs> so it's really it's really funny in the uh in the magazine uh not this story so beautiful so dangerous but angus mckee did another story later later on and um i don't remember the name of it but uh it was it was like a world of all these robots and there was this like human woman like you know sort of big titted beautiful typical woman like you would you know see in heavy metal heavy and she metal? goes up to the robots and as soon as she touches the robots the robots all like sort of dissolve in like acid and stuff like that and it's like and the whole story is about like all these robots running away from her and they can't like <laughs> they can't withstand her touch it's really it's really interesting uh kind of the opposite uh wow. of what you would expect interesting this is I really... can't remember that. Yeah, unrelated to the movie, but kind of reminded me of the whole sex and robots yeah. thing with this artist, particularly. Like, like the Wonder Bread guy and the guy with the Pac-Man chomping thing. This is a fetish of one. <laughs> I like when hot, big-titted women dissolve robots. Do it again. <laughs> so, Ethan, how did uh, how did you feel about uh, the sequence? I think it's my least favorite one, actually. Really? Okay, that's interesting. So we're having a. We're ha we're having some uh, divergence of uh, of opinions here. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't like drug humor in general, and uh, I feel and this one, you know, this one was really another, you know, one of the. It's hard to, yeah, you know, it's hard to ignore the way that up until the very last one, women are just currency in this movie, and. But I mean, there are some things I like. I'm looking at a. I'm looking at this shot right now. I hadn't even noticed that in the shot where the secretary and the robot have just had sex. In the background, you can see an oil can like the Tin Man uses, but it's in a champagne ice bucket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. There's some. That's pretty clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are there are definitely clever elements to it, and I. And honestly, I would rather it just follow this robot and this human woman as they try to pursue love. Because of the the last line that she gives is, uh, "Okay, we can get married, but I want a Jewish wedding." Wait, are you circumcised? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, there there's um they're setting some stuff up there. So that so does it uh, does it uh, continue in that vein in the comic? Do you get to see no, more it, the, the, the the story is not at all like drug humor or slapstick. 
uh, it's a much more serious toned storyline. Oh, okay. You would actually probably really like it. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Uh, it's it's really good. I mean, like I said, it doesn't. You know, the basis of it's there, the art is there, but the the you know elements of the story follow the comic. But in general, no, that is not the story that the comic is fulfilling um, at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, it. I enjoyed it just for the you know. It was just a fun sequence. Oh yeah, but yeah, it doesn't. You would definitely like the 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 story, and also you can pick up. Uh, there is a compiled graphic novel by Angus McKee called "So Beautiful, So Dangerous." It's got all. It's got the entire twelve uh, part uh, sequence that ran through the various issues in one graphic novel. I mean, you. When I say you can get it, I mean I got it, but I got it like what twenty years ago. So oh yeah, it, it's probably I, I still available is. out there. I do a lot of, uh, I do a lot of, uh, of classic book, uh, ordering. I just ordered one that we, we just talked about, uh, curious Avenue on the last episode. And now I've ordered the uh, book of curious Avenue to, uh, oh, okay. examine it. So, uh, so I do that. I do that kind of thing all the time. So maybe I will pick up so beautiful and so dangerous. I, cause yeah, it looks, yeah. You know, maybe that's why I was the least, the least enthused for it. Cause I found oh, it had the best. Promise, but the most disappointment. Well, I don't think you want to pick this up because oh, like it's about $90, $90 on eBay. $90? Uh, oh, okay. I would happily loan you my copy if you would like oh, to borrow okay. it. Oh, cool. Thank you. I might take you it's up really, on It's really good. I don't yeah. know if I'd spend $90 on it, but... Uh, <laughs> I know how that is. Yeah, I own I own some books that you would have to spend that much on, like uh, the mystery science theater 3000 amazing colossal episode guide it's hard to find a good copy of that anymore oh damn i've got that one yeah mine is so literally read to death i've got it held together with uh jaw with uh jaw paper clips so wow i uh i bought that when it was uh yeah when it was just out so um that's weird that that was a long time ago but time marches forward 25 years yeah jeez um so then, uh, I guess this. Then we get to our uh, the big the big piece. Yeah, the this star is the big the one. Yeah, the star of the show. Um, the one uh, based on a Mobius comic, but he apparently had nothing to do with the actual uh, production in this movie. Oh, okay. exactly, like, exactly. Himself, I'm sorry, that is not his name. <laughs> John Giroud. Um, yeah, Giroud. the original the original story that appeared in the the magazine was called. Um, Arzak and it it's not quite it's not this story but there are elements from this story in it but when you see the especially the depiction of the bird creature thing it's it's it, and it's exact it's exactly from that comic uh, uh you know and this was basically more of a, an originally original created story inspired by that to tie in with the whole uh Lochnar mm -hmm. deal and you can and Arzak is also deeply influential on a lot of Japanese culture. There's a video game called Panzer Dragoon, which is a direct uh, influ influence by Arzak, and uh, Mobius himself actually contributed in the creative process and added gave, oh, wow. and provided the artwork for it. And wow, also, uh, Hayao Miyazaki has said that the movie Nausicaa is uh, made under influence by uh, Arzak. So. Oh wow. Hmm. And you can see um, the connection once you get a good look at it, except that, you know, the big difference is that instead of a bird, the uh, Nausicaa flies on a glider, but sometimes the glider is personified as a penguin-like bird, too. So, 
I'm well, going to drop a, I'll drop a thing in the chat. Uh, you guys can look at it later. Um, someone took the, um, the Blue Oyster Cult song that was not used, uh, Vengeance the Pact, which is directly, that line, Vengeance the Pact, is directly referenced in the sequence where Tarna is going to the statue hmm. uh, to get the sword and all her gear. And someone did a fan video, basically, uh, of that, including the lyrics at the bottom. So you can see how that would have tied in exactly to that sequence. So it's definitely mm. worth a watch some, at some point. But um, this it was... Reminds uh, me of, it reminds me of one of my other favorite movies, Coraline, which was supposed to have a uh, soundtrack entirely by They Might Be Giants. They ended oh, up wow. having one song. Hmm. What a, what a shame. That would have been great. <laughs> yeah. There's a song, they do a song called Careful What You Pack, which was specifically written for Coraline, but they haven't released any of the other ones. Wow. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I really, uh, I have to say that, like, when, when I watched uh, this bit, um, I was, uh, uh, I, I was not paying a lot of attention. Um <laughs> All I really hear, all the only thing I remember is that there's a flying chicken in it. I remember <laughs> Tarna's flying chicken, and that chicken is like the the most valuable player because it's really the the chicken causes everything to happen in this. Yep. Um, so the someone else is gonna have <laughs> Tarna. We do chicken right. <laughs> so this this sequence, um, it, it starts with a city that's. Uh, well, actually, at the very beginning, you see the Loch Nahr, That's I don't know if it's supposed to be like it's swollen with all its great evil that it's collected, but it, it's like massive. It's floating into this, great you know, down style. to this planet, hits a mountain, totally breaks off the top of the mountain, and it's sitting in there like some kind of like a volcano. And all this basically green goo comes out, washes over the city, washes over all the people, and they all turn to these like sort of green mutants they were they're oh, not zombies but they're like kind of mutant looking things and all the wise men know that the end is coming and they say that uh you know we need to call on the last terrakian uh and who will basically defeat the greatest evil and uh the they think all the terrakians are extinct but the old guy says no there's still one and she will come if we call her and they do this sequence where they, they chant her name, Tarna. And uh, at that same time, they're sort of crashing into the thing. But she gets the signal. She has this rather uh, asinine sequence where she has to swim across a, a giant lake to get to the other side to get to her gear, and which is kind of goofy, but it was mostly exposition to show a naked woman, I think, in that, <laughs> in that particular thing. Oh. And uh, she... Go ahead. Uh, she gets her gear, uh, she holds up the sword, and, and that's where you hear the narrator, you know, talk about uh, fulfilling the pact. And uh, she next gets on the bird, and she's swooping into the the city that was, uh, she can see it's already been destroyed. And, you know. Shouldn't have spent three hours putting her clothes on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, she could have saved them. Uh, oh, uh, she, hey. One yeah. thing that we should point out about this one that, yeah. you know, before it started, we went back one more time to the house out in the field where the little girl is being terrified by by the Zaknar. 
and the Lochnar, and uh, and it says, "Now witness the evil that is yet to come," indicating oh, this yeah. part takes place exactly in the point. future. I guess the rest of it didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I think the girl was underwhelmed with the uh, last story about the yeah. Lochnar not being, you know, so she was probably getting a little bored. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so maybe, yeah, maybe he's telling her like this is the, you know. Because obviously the the very end of it, you you get that tie-in, but yeah. at that point you really don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, I think that was kind of a little bit subtle and maybe lost on some people. Yeah, it um, seems to have been lost on whoever wrote the uh, Wikipedia synopsis. <laughs> uh, so Tarna gets to the city and finds the severed head of the 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 main old guy, and where she were gets you? His, yeah, yeah, that, that's what his face looks like. It's like the last thing he screamed up, where in the fuck are you? Um, <laughs> Better late than never, right? Exactly. So then she goes, um, she goes looking for something because in the guy's hand, he had broken off one of the insignias of one of the attackers. And it's like this silver thing with like a jagged uh, Z-looking emblem or something like that. Zoro did this. Yes, exactly. So uh, she goes off and she she finds like this area that's got like a bar and there's a bunch of these horse things. They're not really horses, but they're whatever the equivalent of an alien horse is out front. uh, And she sees the insignia on there and she walks in and we get to see a cool rendition of uh, Alien Devo playing uh, We're Through Being Cool. Yeah, the bar, like, the bar band. So that yeah, was I saw them in the opening credits. So I was like, "Oh boy, Devo, where's Devo? Am I going to recognize them? <laughs> there they are." <laughs> I didn't even have to hear them play a note. It's like, "There's Devo." What a pair of glasses um, that guy has. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I guess um, like Mark Mother's boss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's three uh, Devo. Devo. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, uh, they were the only band that made any kind of uh, quote-unquote appearance in the film. So yeah. pretty, and they're still cool. alive in the future. You can't kill Devo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then there's three of these green goons that have, you know, been, uh, you know, mutated by the, you know, the Lochner goo. And they're, uh, of course, they're looking at uh, Tarna and, you know, making a bunch of, you know, uh, you know, Goonie sexy like comments like, like yeah. hey, maybe you maybe she needs maybe she wants to have all of us at once. Uh, and she, you know, commences to slit their throats with and behead them with the sword. So that was a, uh, you know, that was pretty expected. Um woman at arms. Yeah, exactly. So oh, then the bar- oh, she even did the He-Man thing. The what? She at the beginning, uh when she when she was done doing her ritual preparations, she holds aloft her sword and, like yeah. it really looks yeah. like she's gonna go by the power of Grey Skull. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh so the bartender tells her where the people are congregating, and she gets on the bird, goes over to there, but uh oh, it's a trap. Um she flies under one of these like natural bridges and they net the bird and they bring you know her and the bird down and they discover one of the guys discover that she has the tattoo of the uh, sword on her neck, um, that she is a Tarakian. So they tell the head guy and they, uh, basically the head guy just, they, they show a sequence of him like whipping her for no reason other than to whip her. Uh, and then they throw her down a pit. So I don't really quite get that, but. Uh, yeah, pit, you know, 
the whipping pit. The whipping pit. They gave her the whipping pit. Instead of just the whipping pit. Yeah, instead of just killing her when he had her like tied up and he could have killed her, and you know, uh, put her in the fridge. I might want to whip her more later. Something. Something. <laughs> so he throws her in the pit, and then uh, they uh, they're going to kill the bird, and uh, you know, a guy says, "Hold him down. I'm going to put an arrow in his head." And the bird like drags the other guy in the line of the. It's a pretty cool sequence because you see the the crosshairs uh, of the uh, the the like the bolt gun, and the bird fucking drags the other guy right in line with it, and he fires it and kills the other guy. And the b- bird ends up going down in the pit, grabbing the girl. Uh, they fly up, and the bird gets wounded, uh, has to land, and that's when Tarna has her final. Uh, showdown with the uh, the big bad guy, and uh, you know they they fight for a little bit, and then she ends up uh, pressing his little blade thing right into his chest, and then it, you show a great scene of her just punching forward <laughs> right into his face, and she withdraws her hand, it's just all covered in green goo. She just collapses <laughs> his face, yeah. yeah, yeah. After using his own pizza cutter on him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then she gets on the bird. She takes off the saddle because the bird's like barely alive and she's like all fucked up. And then they fly up into the sky and the voice of the Larnock, uh, the Lochnar is saying, you know, you don't have to do this. Um, you know, don't sacrifice yourself. <laughs> Join and me and we shall rule as girl and orb. <laughs> he doesn't say why she shouldn't sacrifice. He doesn't really give a compelling reason. Uh, so she ends up flying down sword first into the thing and it uh, cracks, and then that's when it sort of transitions into the last sequence of the film. Yeah, and he's like, "Wait, how did I show my own death? That was weird. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't expect this at all." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the last sequence is where we uh, we learn the truth about um, uh, Tarna, and not Tarna, but the our girl. Little I guess, girl, you mean little, little girl. girl? Yes, we can get it. <laughs> It uh, it turns out that uh, I don't know. Is this a spoiler <laughs> for a thirty-year-old <laughs> well, movie? What, 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 yeah, from nineteen eighty-one. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> Mention everybody spoilers. Yeah, so uh, it turns out that uh, uh, the little girl is Tarna, or heir to the Tarna legacy. Uh, re- Actually, yeah, no. re- reincarnation of Tarna. Reincarnation of Tarna. Uh, well, and that causes... be a reincarnation if this is the future. Uh. <laughs> Because it's uh, the future that what would the, the evil that would happen. So she's a, she's a reincarnation. She's a, well, she's a pre incarnation. Yeah. Incarnate incarnation. Pre incarnation. Yeah. So she she witnessed it. She witnessed the future and changed it by destroying the the evil ahead of time. There you go. Yeah. Well, clearly, the Lochnar never expected it. He was. Yeah. He was like, well, what he the fuck's happening? <laughs> He never saw it coming that Lochnar. Uh, what a fool! Lochnar. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the Lochnar gets gets blown up, um, and uh, then the girl runs outside, and she she there's the chicken, the flying chickens there. He just and, shows up, like hi, remember me? Yeah. I mean that chicken is pretty amazing. Like everything that that ha- everything Tarna does is just because of that chicken. Like it saves yeah. her ass like what four times I think yeah, in the whole right. sequence, yeah. um, and then she's got the she's got the sword insignia on her neck as well. Though. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, it's not a tattoo. It's like a birthmark. Or birthmark, yeah. Yeah. Um, this the secret stonecutter sign. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, and that's that's kind of brings us to the yeah, end of the, the film. The, yeah, the only unfortunate part is that unfortunate uh, model miniature of the house blowing up that they use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's um mm, yeah they they were I think they they didn't they have to film that after, after they you said they uh they filmed that later because like oh, oh yeah the that, that the whole house that that was not originally the intended sequence for telling the story they had some other mechanic and uh, they switched it up like that was one of the last things they did was all those sequences and um, I don't think they had t- I like the I like the non animated explosion it makes it more filmic somehow it makes a stronger impression to just suddenly like oh this part is real <laughs> well, it's like when they suddenly show the the photorealistic faces in like you know spongebob yes it's yeah it's like that uh it's like that humphrey bear cartoon where suddenly the real smoky bear shows up and goes only you can prevent forest fires and yeah, that sort of yeah. walks away like a cardboard cutout <laughs> um, i guess as they intended a rotoscope that a lot and never Never had, never had the time or the budget or whatever. Yeah, scoping would... back then was very expensive. Um, you know, it, it was it was uh, not the it just not not inexpensive. It was it was laborious and expensive, so they didn't. You know, I don't think they had the chance to really get it. You know, get done what they wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... I think but, uh, I think Ralph Batchke used up all the rotoscoping budget. For <laughs> <laughs> he used up the world supply of rotoscoping. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Um, but then we get um, uh, we get the uh, the closing sequence, uh, the closing credits. We get some Devo uh, here again. Another yeah. another Devo song, working in a coal yeah. mine. Yeah. Um, and uh, that is it for heavy metal. Um, so I guess. Uh, um, what do we, what what how do we feel about this as a as a film to, uh, as a complete film package? Uh, well, as an anthology, as an anthology, I think it works great um, mm-hmm. because it's not um, it, every sequence is different. The stories are all different. The animation is all very different. Um, it gives you sort of like that true anthology feel, and. Um, there's just something about it that makes me smile even after all these years and repeated viewings. Uh, it's just a, it's just a fun movie to watch. It's not like high art and it's not like, um, you know, a riveting tale that is going to, uh, you know, change a person by any stretch of the imagination, mm. but it's a fun movie. Uh, I think it was well done. Um, I, you know, the the soundtrack i really like um yeah it just i think it's i think it i think it holds up even 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 today uh it's not so dated uh with you know there's very few references that uh have a particular period in time because it's you know a fictional tale and it's told from you know a dystopian angle from a fantasy angle from a uh, you know, all these various angles in the stories that I think it just, uh, you know, it, it, to me, I like it as much today as I did, you know, back in 81. Mm. No. Um, and Ethan, how, how do you feel about heavy metal? The movie? I like 
you know, I feel that, you know, every every individual segment has its own flaw, but every segment has an element that makes up for the flaws of the other one. I feel like, you know, it's like jigsaw puzzle pieces. There's something missing from this one, but the next one has it. But it's missing something, but the next one will have it. So I, I really love these kind of animated... Uh, uh, Con controversy? What the, What do you call these things? Damn, we just used the word. Uh, anthology? <laughs> anthology. God, how do I forget <laughs> anthology? <laughs> I forget. I, I like these Anthony movies. <laughs> yeah, I really like these an animated anthology movies, especially when you get a, you know, a real... But I wonder if the fact that so many of them were adaptions that weren't really related to you know, where the animators were not really uh, connected to what they were adapting might have kind of held it back. You know, I would like, I would have liked to have seen, you know, you know, Tarna is good, but I would have liked to have seen Mobius's own take on Arzak. Has it ever been animated? Not that I've seen, but hmm. that would be awesome to see. Yeah, that might be a, yeah, he's, uh, no, he's not with us anymore, is he? No, he died in 2012. Yeah. So, yeah, he's so it's, too, it's too late for an for an official version, but uh, but yeah, I would I would have liked to have seen uh, you know, but well, it sounds like so beautiful and so dangerous is the one that was most that that most resembled its uh, its original thing, or at least uh, visually. But you said Vis story, visually, yes, not 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 story wise, but visually, yes. Yeah, that um, kind of that kind of plays into into it because I mean they they were they showed incredible fidelity to the drawings. But the actual storyline, they were just like, well, let's let's just make up some something that will make people guffaw. Yeah, I'll have to, I have to agree with with you on that. I think the I think the Lochnar thread was probably the weakest part of it because it it loosely tried to tie things together. But like you said, I I don't think the the artists and the stories were really designed to go together, at least in that way. And I'm not sure how they could have. You know, maybe there's something different they got to come up with as a mechanism. Mm. Uh, I would like to have seen this with, you know, if they had taken out the Lochnar as a uh, as a uh, deliberate tying point, and instead had made it more like, say, Where's Waldo, where you keep seeing this green sphere and being like, hey, and if you could kind of connect the dots yourself, I might like that a lot better. Because I, I really like things like Fantasia and that kind of thing. And if this had been more like Fantasia, I would have liked it more, I think. Hmm. Interesting. Fair. Um, <clears throat> I, I, uh, I really like this movie. Um, uh, part of that is because um, I, I have, a, I have a, a soft spot for very kind of very, very garish, lurid 70s movies. Um, uh, speculative fiction type stuff, mm. um, and uh, th this kind of like slots really well into that. Um, you know, the music's great, um, so there's always something. Even when, uh, even if the actual movie lags, there's always good music to listen to. Mm -hmm. um, uh, most of the music, yeah, most of the sequences I think are pretty fun and uh, are pretty well done. My real, the one thing that I that I don't like about this movie is um there are two barbarian segments in it um and 
because everything else i feel like there's like okay we've got a noir kind of like a noir cyberpunk segment we've got kind of a comic space opera segment we've got like um you know a horror segment we've got like a um uh a kind of a almost like a keep on trucking in space kind of segment um and then two barbarians and um and neither of the barbarian segments for me are particularly interesting i think they're both the most slow and plotting bits Mm -hmm. of the whole film so what would you want to um, replace them with what uh seg can you think of a genre that would fit in with these that uh would that you would have liked better um which of the two would you replace um, if I had to, I would probably replace Tarna rather than Den. Really? Um, yeah, and it's not because Den is better. I think Tarna is actually the better one. I think Den is funnier, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Oh, it's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's nothing funny about the Tarna one. It's not. It's played like straight. Yeah, as opposed yeah. To, like the little comedy bits. Yeah. So. Yeah, like Tarna is is pretty. Is, yeah, exactly. It's straightforward. It's pretty serious. I think it's um, it, it it feels like watching it as like I'm watching some Eon Flux, um, and uh, actually yeah, if I was gonna if I was going to put a different kind of sci-fi or fantasy in here, I would probably put something either more explicitly Dungeons and Dragons type fantasy because mm. that would be that that would kind of slot in well, or something that was more like a um, yeah maybe almost more like a uh uh. uh Eon Flux type sci-fi, mm. um, you know, because I, I know the, room for something mythical, something kind of Greek mythology or oh, Norse. that would that would actually that would that would be a, a, a pretty good choice too. Because mm. um, the you know the one rule is that it has to look awesome on the side of your van. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, oh, okay, you know, something something that involved wizards, like a wiz wizards, you yeah. know, like I feel yeah, like you, you didn't have that. That's for sure. Yeah, like usually, I mean, I don't even think usually in a barbarian move uh, segment, you're going to have a bit where they have to fight a wizard and they say like, oh, magic users, I hate them, you know, or something like that. I don't really think they did that much in this. Like, No, uh, the closest you got was like the uh, the queen who was some kind of sorceress and the the other guy, uh, the her, you know, counterpart, you know, the guy that could heal. Um you know, they obviously were magical and sorcerers in some capacity, but that wasn't their main shtick. They were like, you know, just leaders. But yeah, I don't yeah. think we got any closer than that. Yeah. So I definitely somebody had a kind of, you know, we have to put the Lochnar in here so it explains all of the strange stuff. Somebody had the the whole idea of double mumbo jumbo before it was uh, codified in Save the Cat. Say mm. the cat holds that uh, you can't have, you know, if your your villain and your hero have to pretty much come from the same place because, you know, it's like if you had a story with, you know, imagine a Harry Potter movie, but then they have to fight voodoo users. It just totally, it just doesn't make sense to you because it's it's two different kinds of magic. A lot of people think that uh, movies always, if you have one kind of magic in the movie, it can be that has to be the only kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I w- I want more wizards in this. Yes, you know I, want, cool. I can I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah, you know, like more more just dudes with beards shooting lasers out of their their fingers. So if you took a, a segment from Ralph Bakshi's Wizards and uh, put it in here, do you think it would work? Um, no, because it would suck then. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Ralph Bakshi. This is the movie that that uh, that you kind of want Ralph Bakshi's Wizards to be, because mm. like I've seen Wizards about a hundred times because I keep forgetting how bad it is, and every time I see it, I hate it all over again. <laughs> it is so incredibly bad. It's just like just you're watching. It's like wow, this is this is boring. Like I don't. Uh, how much longer is this film? Um, now think if he had taken that movie and put a good soundtrack to it, like a good rock soundtrack. How much that, better it would have been? That yeah. would have like yeah, that would make it like so much more tolerable. Um, you know, and and Wizards is like a weird movie because like when I watch it, I'm like I re- every time I see it, I'm like I want to like this. I really because there's some really cool stuff in it. Like oh, yeah, they have. Yeah. You know, like they have the still images of the elves and stuff where it's like uh-huh. it feels like it almost looks like it's supposed to be like a Vallejo painting, you yeah. know, and it's like and it's like, oh, I wish that this movie wasn't so bad. Um, it's, sort but, of, you uh, know, it's possible to make something you don't like using all ingredients that you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I mean, I also yeah. like that. Oh, sorry. I think the mo- I, I think like music is has an impact on these movies. I mean, think about. Uh, um rock and roll would not be the same without that soundtrack. Oh yeah. Uh, if that, yeah. Mo- if that yeah. movie was played straight with like a, uh, orchestrated soundtrack or the score, it would not have had the same impact. So, I mean, look at the movie that it's a remake of rock and roll is basically exactly Daniel devil mouse, Daniel devil, Ma- yeah. devil and yeah. Daniel mouse. Yeah. And that has, you know, actually, you know, the apple is basically the same movie as those two. No, well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, no, that, that's a good point. That like, if you took the music out of rock and roll, that movie would probably not be tolerable. Because I love rock and roll. I think it's it's one of, it's again one of my favorite animated films. But um, yeah, what, when you t- if you took the music away, it'd be like, I don't know if I can watch this. Because suddenly you realize, like, wait a minute, why are they going back to hometown? This this, <laughs> script, this script really could have gone, you know, used a couple uh, more drafts. Um, and I mean, actually, same thing with heavy metal. I think if the they didn't have the music in it, this would probably I probably would not find this film nearly as entertaining. I would probably it would be, like, be oh. it would be hard. It really ties like you. I think you brought it up. It, it it ties down even when you get to some of the slower segments. You've got the music there going on, so it it definitely it definitely works um, at that level. You know, I mean, I make the you know I am I have always made the complaint that the movie. The movie Pumpkinhead doesn't deliver on its premise because you don't get a monster with a pumpkin for a head. But <laughs> so I feel like you would get the same thing if you had the movie Heavy Metal and it was all orchestral. It's like, no, it needs to be heavy metal. It's right in the name. I mean, that's a good point. Um, though I will say Pumpkinhead is an awesome movie. Uh, but but I will I will grant you it is false advertising. Yeah. You know, I went to see Naked Lunch, and I can think of two things wrong with that title. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I guess um, we've been speaking of heavy metal for a while. Do we have a- anyone have any final thoughts of uh, on on the film or how it uh, adapts the magazine to the big screen? Uh, I think it was an interesting attempt because I don't. I mean, you know, comics aren't often. Uh, made into movies well especially back then i think now maybe that's more likely to happen but uh i think uh i think a comic of this nature which was a not accessible to a lot of people and b like very geared toward either you know adults or maybe like your high-end art 
people. Um, so I think it was, I, I think it was interesting, but like, it, it, it's so unlikely uh, a film to be made. I'm not sure how they got it greenlit, to be honest. Um, I'm glad they did, but uh, I'm just, it seems like a hard sell. To, when you look at made the, the contemporary reviews and they talk about this is a movie for the immature 13 year old in all of us and then you <laughs> you know you compare that with you're saying that this is a comic for adults and high-end art art people is like you know where what how did the how did the age group that this is appropriate for slip from 26 to 13. Yeah, and it was rated R, so people, kids that were 13 couldn't even get access yeah. to it. So, um, you know, I, I, that's a good question. It's a good question. But, uh, I mean, I, I think it's, I, I'm surprised it got made. I know that it was, um, you know, had budget issues, and um, there was uh, there was a lot of problems with, you know, as great as the music is, getting that licensed was a major, major deal. And it ate into a lot of the budget and um, it shows sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's that, that licensing of music. The, the, the record industry is a, is a very greedy industry. And uh, they are, you know, some of the most unscrupulous uh, people out there. Uh, not, not the artists, but the management and the people that hold these licenses. And um, that really, I, I think a lot of the, you know, maybe a lot of the shortcomings in the animation and even some of the storying was probably sacrificed for the soundtrack uh, as far as the licensing goes. Mm. Um, and one thing I could tell you is, you know, this came out in August, uh, August of 81. Yep. Uh, there was no home media until. 1996 that's how long it took them to get licensing out and on the soundtrack um there were songs that could appear in the movie that couldn't appear on the actual soundtrack that was released oh uh, there was two songs uh um black sabbath and i forget who the other one was that are in the movie but they're not actually on the the soundtrack and then for like uh then broadcasting on television, there was others. So it took literally until 96 to get that all like wrapped mm. up. So that's how, you know, making a movie like this or like rock and roll, which rock and roll has no release soundtrack, by the way, mm. there's no soundtrack release for that because they couldn't afford to get all the licensing done. <clears throat> Jeez. So, as neat as these movies are, you probably would never see another movie like this today, is my guess. Mm -hmm. Man, well, that's that's a real shame because they're I really mean, too careful with copyright anymore for these kind of things. You know, yeah, you could a lot get of Disney. You could, yeah, you could see a movie like this, but it would all be things that were owned by the giant mega corporation that was uh, doing it, and it would lose a lot of its uh, uniqueness that way. It would just feel like another thing, like you know. Fucking uh, uh, Ender's Game or Lego Batman, where they're just like, look at all the properties we own. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess this is this is a um, you know th this this is a a product of its time. 
and uh, you know oh, it's yeah. one we shall see again. But and they didn't manage to make it again. Yeah, but you know I think that's part of its charm. You know, it's like looking think, at, looking at a closest, different time. I think the closest thing is uh, the show that we watched when we were together, Mike. The was it Love, oh, Sex, Love, and Robots? Yeah, Love, Love, Sex, and Robots, which um, is actually, actually pretty uh, a pretty good approximation of the little vignettes that make up heavy metal. I mean, because they're all little, you know, short stories. Um, I mean, they have no connective through tale, but um, to me, that's like the closest thing that uh, is like heavy metal. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that does make sense. I believe that part of the, um, the team that made the original heavy metal and uh, heavy metal 2000 uh, is actually behind uh Love sex, love sex and robots. Um, you mean love uh, death and robots? Oh, sorry, is it love death and robots? Maybe, yeah. Animated short yeah. story. Yeah, I just threw the sex in there because you know, <laughs> <laughs> love death, yeah. sex, robots, sex. You know, it's blood, tears, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that I think um, I forget. Uh, I, I forget now exactly which which guy it was. I think one of, some of the has some of the same producers. If I. Um, remember correctly uh and i think it was originally going to be a film uh but that wasn't really working out so instead they made it a made it an anthology series um and uh you know it, it does a lot of it does have the very similar spirit uh so because i think apparently yeah here uh let's see a remake they were apparently going to make a, re a heavy metal remake in 2008 which was going to have Directors David Fincher, Guillermo del Toro, Zack Snyder, and Gore Verbinski on board to do different segments. I can definitely see del Toro and Zack Snyder. Yeah, yeah. Um, then apparently in 2011, Robert Rodriguez announced at Comic-Con he had purchased the film rights to Heavy Metal and planned to develop a new animated film at Quick Draw Studios. Uh, let's see. Then he apparently... Uh, instead, the reboot was released to uh, Netflix as reimagining titled "Love, Love, Death, and Robots." Oh, so apparently, okay. that's what happened. Yeah, yeah I can, was I can see that. Pennywell has passed hands for a while. For quite a while, it was basically being run by Kevin Eastman of Ninja Turtles fame. Oh, uh, interesting. Uh, but that seems that seems kind of appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, one other thing about the movie is. Uh... The movie poster, I think, is is freaking amazing. Um, yeah, the one, is that the one Tarna on her? Uh, but she's not on a chicken. Yeah, she is. Is she? Is that, is that her chicken? Let me it's let me look at this. Oh, chicken. it is the chicken. Never mind. I the chicken. Uh, yep. Yeah, I was gonna. I I was. Um, I w I guess I was distracted looking at other things. I didn't realize that was the same chicken. Yeah, same chicken. <laughs> nice. I mean, it's a. Uh, it's. It's a great poster. It it says you know says says on the tin what you get, and you can really see how it uh, influenced the you know you can really see the uh, n the way that inf it influenced Nausicaa when you look at the movie poster for the original English release of Nausicaa, which was called Warriors of the Wind. You can mm. see how they were really going for that exact same kind of look. Oh oh yeah, look at that. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah. Hmm. I don't believe that winged horse actually appears in the movie, but it's been a couple of years since I saw it. Uh, I don't recall. Uh, honestly, I don't recall any of these things appearing in the movie. 
Uh, yeah. What's that like weird robot like uh, Grim Reaper thing? Yeah, and, and is that supposed to be an Omu that they're riding on? <laughs> um, you mean like one of the Gorgons? Yeah, as they say in the English dub. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like that. Um, also, that like what is it? That big demon thing that they rise at the end of uh, Nausicaa? Uh, this poster makes it look a lot smaller, and apparently, it's got a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Clearly drawn by somebody who uh, was only looking at screenshots and didn't know what size anything was in comparison to anything else. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind watching this movie either. It looks yeah. like it's pretty badass, but yeah. uh, it does not look like uh, Nausicaa. Uh, uh, man, Nausicaa. Um, well, we should probably we should do Nausicaa one of these days. Yeah, we should um, do Nausicaa. Actually, this brings brings to mind that. Uh, we, we we weren't sure if you were going to show up this time, so uh, we we were making. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally fell asleep last week. <laughs> <laughs> so we were making plans to watch uh, Robot Carnival, which is another very. Similar oh my god, movie. I, I love the beginning of that movie. I yeah, Robot Robot Carnival has the best opening to any movie ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is a pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh. Anyway, um, so Puppers, thanks for joining us for a yeah. discussion hey, of thanks. heavy metal. Thanks for having me. I really, uh, really appreciate it. It's cool to talk about the movie, um, and um, you know, just to remember it. And you know, um, it was cool to watch it with you last weekend. Yeah, or two yeah. weekends ago. <laughs> Little while. <laughs> yeah, good times. Um, I guess uh, you know. I guess we can cut there. I think unless yeah. uh, unless anyone has any other thoughts they want to. Well, if you like heavy metal, throw up the horns and rock on! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs>